0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Let Fear Bounce. This is Kim Langlin, your host. I'm also an author, freelance writer, and soon to be television host of the show, The Right Stuff. It's a show all for authors and about authors. And I will share more information with you on that in the days to come. But right now, folks, grab your cup of coffee, sit back, relax, and let's listen into the show as I speak to my new friend, Susan Ball. And don't forget, subscribe while you're here. Hello, hello everyone, this is Kim Langland, your host of Let Fear Bounce, and today I am so excited to have Susan Ball with me. She is an abuse recovery expert, disruptor, speaker, and best-selling author. Recovery after abuse blossomed from Susan's own abusive relationships and is built on the belief that all women are entitled to live free, fulfilled, and fearless, Susan is on a mission to empower women to rise up, show up, free their voices, and move from the victim space to the courageous and healing space. And amen to that, Susan. <laughs> thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to uh, hear your story and how you got your Recovery After Abuse company up and running. So thank you for joining me today.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Kim. I, I love an opportunity to to chat. I do. (laughs) (laughs) I won't lie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love chatting too.
0: That's why I'm really enjoying doing this podcast. And I just have amazing people on such as yourself. So let's, let's jump into it. So your company's name is recovery after abuse. Now that's like an in your face, in your face name for a company, which I absolutely love and appreciate. Give us a little background on uh, how that name came about and how you started your company.
1: Well, the name came about because I have been working with women for quite some time, about eight years now. I at first had a company in my name, Susan Ball. And of course, what does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. But the women I, I worked with, I kept hearing the same message. I just want to recover. I just want to get to the other side. I just want to really recover within myself and know myself and, and be, have boundaries and all of these things. And I thought, they're not looking to connect quote unquote with me. They're looking to connect with someone who can pull them into the recovery space, who can say to them, this is the step you take. And of course, it's always bespoke to the person. But these are generally the steps you take. And this is how you get there. And this is how you become truly recovered after abuse.
0: I I love that. Um, And that main word, recover, that main word there, that's like the driving word. It seems as if uh, that's the driving word on your mission. So you started this company. Obviously, you've got some background. Um, Are you willing to share some of that background on, on why you came, why your heart felt so strong that you needed to start this?
1: Um, Yeah, I'm more than happy to share because I think the healing is in my story for a lot of people. I actually had four seriously abusive relationships and the last fella, he tried to kill me by strangling me. And I ran for my life uh, barefoot in the wintertime in January. You can relate to that probably, Kim. In Pennsylvania it was a little snowy and cold but I made it to the police station and uh, after that incident, after that particular incident, uh, in Canada where I lived it was mandatory that I attended group counseling for victims of domestic violence as it was called. And I remember sitting in this group and all it was every week was comparing stories and it even seemed that everybody was trying to one-up each other in the sense of oh well you got to hear what happened to me and no one in these recovery sessions the leader the therapist the counselor whatever their title was really pushed us forward They never said, well, what goals did you set this week? You know, what did you do this week? What are you thinking about doing? What do you want to do with your life now that you're free? There was nothing to kind of move us into the forward space. That being said, I got very stuck in the victimhood. I got really stuck. I loved it there. I always say to people, I live down the dark alley of the victimhood in the last house on the block with black curtains, and everything I did was framed in... You can't talk to me that way. I'm a victim. You can't make me come to work on time. I'm a victim. Uh, you can't do any of this stuff. I'm a victim. And if I want to drink for three days solid and drag my butt in here hungover, it's none of your business. I'm a victim. Because people had told me, all the counselors kept saying to me, I would go and I would say, I don't feel like I'm really healing. I don't feel like I'm moving, for- moving forward. And they would say, Yes, but Susan, you are a victim of, of domestic violence. Oh, okay, well, I'll just go live there in the corner house with the black curtain. I'll just stay there, right? (laughs) (laughs) So I almost became an alcoholic. Uh, I almost became a drug addict. I was going down a very slippery slope. And I was very grateful for one day. I ran into someone who was a a family friend who I hadn't seen in 20 years, Kim. We went into a restaurant in Toronto and we sat down for lunch. And of course, we're doing the what's new, what's happening, so I get going on my victim story and she starts to stir her coffee really loudly with her spoon banging. And I said, well, that's kind of rude. And she said, well, I'm just finding your story really boring. <laughs> and I, I was like, You know, because I lived that story. That was my whole identity. My my identity was being challenged in that moment. Well, of course I got furious and I went home and and all of that kind of stuff, but she had planted an earworm. She had planted something in my brain. And it turns out my friend that I hadn't seen in a long time was an NLP master practitioner. She was trained in all that stuff. And she said, I knew I'd hear from you. (laughs) you want to come in, we can chat. So she ended up being my mentor and she gave me my training and my certification. I went through all of that. And I learned an awful lot about healing, about recovery, about the stories we tell ourselves, about so much. Mm -hmm. I never set out intentionally to do what I do, Kim. I just wanted me to be healthier and better.
0: Right, and your path just led led you to this place where now you help others that were in your same shoes.
1: Yes. It was almost like people came to me. I, I, I sort of thought, oh, I'll be a life coach. That's what I'll do. She taught me how to be a life coach. I'll do that. Everybody who called me said toxic relationship, abusive relationship, this and that. And I thought, oh, there's something here. right? <laughs> right. You know, and
0: it's, I, it's interesting how you said that you, you know, you lived, you, you kind of, you embraced victimhood. Oh, um, loved it. And how, how long did you stay stuck there? Because to me, that's stuck. How long were you in that spot?
1: I'm going to say about four years.
0: My goodness.
1: And there was no one to help. It, it was this, like, everywhere you went, when you went to the court, you, were, you went to victim services. You had a victim's advocate. You went to victim's counseling. Everything was couched in that language. There wasn't anything... The, and no one said to me, "Hey, girl, you have survived. You're on the other side. Let's look. At, let's look at the possibilities."
0: For and you to, now, yeah. Oh my goodness, you know. And I know. I know. In certain time frames, um, it, for it, for my own experience, when um, I was I was sexually assaulted years ago, and when I years later came forward to seek help there were no female counselors for me to speak to. And this was during the military. So I I went through the VA. um, That's what we call it down here in the States anyway. And they had no female counselors. So they really didn't know what to do with me. And I ended up with a male counselor, which I had a very hard time opening up to simply because of my circumstance. But you know I I eventually was able to. I was amazed that there were no programs, nothing in place for females for sexual trauma. It was quite prevalent and starting to really come to light at that time. It was coming more out in the public just how prevalent this was within the military and it was it was difficult. So I, you know, I I'm, I'm seeing that in your situation where the word victim, to me, has such a negative connotation to it. And survivor, that's what you are. You're a survivor. So you know it, that there was no one out there saying using those words because there really is a big difference in how you you know and how people are. You were pretty much told to be a victim and stay a victim.
1: Yeah. And be happy somehow. Yeah, I, that's something. Like, yeah,
0: and it, that, to me, that's not possible. At least my perception of that, because the word victim is so negative and dark. And if that's the hat you want to wear, you're not going to find joy or peace or contentment
1: anywhere. No, and you're not going to be able to imagine your life as anything good.
0: Right, right.
1: And one of the things that I teach my clients is the difference between being victimized and living as a victim or taking on the victim persona. Mm-hmm. Yes, I was victimized. Absolutely. Somebody took advantage of me and they victimized me, but I don't have to live as a victim.
0: Right. You live as a warrior. You're, you're a warrior. Right.
1: Yeah. Completely different mindset, Kim. Yes.
0: Yes. I agree. So the ladies that you, well, I'm assuming it's mostly ladies. I mean, you you could be working with men as well. When they come to you, do they typically have that, that victim hat on, or they're just at a point where they know they have to reach out somewhere because they, they, it's, it's intolerable living the way they are.
1: It's a little bit of a combination of both. Um, Sometimes they don't recognize that they have the victim hat on. Mm -hmm. So we go through some, some conversation around that and a lot of times it's just I'm stuck and I don't know why I feel stuck which brings up that victim question again and the the thing with the victim hat the victim um, story is that it becomes very comfortable and you take it on as your identity and when somebody says for you to let it go let that that go it is terrifying because who will you be? Who is I going to be if I wasn't a victim of domestic violence?
0: You no, you're right. I, you know, it's interesting the words that you just used there. You know, who will I be if I let this go? That was a question I asked actually asked myself. You know, I said this is this is, and I I said this actually to my pastor at church years ago, when he said, well, Kim. What's gonna happen to you if you let it go? If you decide to come out the other side, what's gonna happen to you? And I remember saying, I don't know because it's who I am. And he said, no, it's not who you are. It's what happened to you. So who do you you intend to be once you let it go? That question alone sparks something in my brain. And I went, you know what, why didn't I ever think of this before, <laughs> you know, but it's, it's easy to get, like you had mentioned for four years, that's a long time Very long you know, time. in your own circumstance and mine, I held on to it for 12. It is frightening to face it, to face it head on and smash it and say, okay, I'm done. No more, not today, nor any other day. And it is a mindset, but it's, it's a, it's a journey as well. It's not, obviously it's not something you can just do, you know, and then flick a switch and say, ah, I feel so great today. Um, I wish. <laughs> yeah, oh, I know. Wouldn't that be lovely? <laughs> so you're, you're the, the folks that you work with, I'm assu- do they come from different backgrounds, di- different social and economic backgrounds and lifestyles?
1: I have had 99.9% of my clients are women, heterosexual, marriage, women. And, but socioeconomic, all over the map, I have had literally a multimillionaire. And then I've had women who are struggling to make ends meet, Mm -hmm. who, and and from all over the world, different cultures, different religions, and all of these things play a role in what we, as young girls growing up, determine to be familiar patterns mm-hmm. that we repeat in adulthood. So all of that plays a role, whether you're wealthy, whether you're poor, whether you what your religion was, what your culture was. There's a story thread through all of that, um, that when somebody says something to you, you go, oh oh yeah, I've heard that all my life. That's just normal. Without saying, hey, you don't talk to me like that. Right. So for example, when I married the the fellow who tried to kill me, it was very fast. There was all the red flags that I chose to, you know, rationalize, minimize and deny. and, And we can talk about that more. But the morning of our, after the morning, after you get married, whatever you call that, the wedding morning, We were driving out of this fancy hotel, out of the underground garage, and we had a Jeep and it had a a stick shift. And he took my hand, he took his hand off the stick shift and he took my hand, he squeezed it really tight, like painfully tight. Mm -hmm. And he said, Look at me. And I said, Okay. And he said, Now that you're you are my wife, you will do as you're told, how you're told, and when you're told. Understood? And looking back on that, I should have gotten out of the car and said, you know, basically, F you take a but the little girl in me who had been abandoned and had a lot to be emotional trauma, said, "Oh yes, do as you're told, be a good girl." So it was familiar at a certain level. So it wasn't really that scary to me. Do you find that with the folks that you work with,
0: well, I'm just going to say ladies, because you said it's 99.9% ladies, with the women that you work with, do you find that, Some of that's also generational.
1: Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I mean, I could go back through my mother's side of the family. My mother was very emotionally cold. But my mother's side of the family and the level of abuse and abuse trauma and domestic violence that was generational. Now, each generation of that family, I guess, lessened the domestic violence. um, What would you call it? Lever. Yeah, but they never got rid of it. They never broke the cycle. No one ever broke the cycle.
0: You know, I was having a conversation with my mother just the other day, two days ago. And she had always said that she always thought that her mom was really cold and she could never really connect with her mother. And the house was always, you know, between her and her dad, her mom and her dad were, it was, the relationship was cold And she was, you know, my grandmother, she's, she's been gone for quite some time. And I, I finally, I said, mom, I need to interrupt for a second. Why was grandma so cold? And it completely stumped her. And I said, you've never looked at your mom to wonder what her marriage was actually like, or what her upbringing was like. Did you ever ask her? And she said, oh no, no, you, you, you would not ask things like that. You know, that's, if anything was bad, it was never discussed. And it was always kept behind closed doors. That was not anything anyone ever spoke about. I found that very sad because I see a lot of my grandmother in my mother. You know, it's, it's, it's like, it's, it's conditioned, you know, because it's just what, it's what you, you, it's what, you know, I've been thinking about that a lot. And I, you know, and I'm sitting here thinking, boy, I, you know, I really, I really pray that my grandmother was happy, at least at some point in her life.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It is conditioning, though. I can remember growing up, my father, they divorced when I was eight, but I can remember my father at one point, my uncle was a brutal, brutal man, brutal, but he learned it from his father, of course. So I was about seven. We lived in the same apartment block and my cousin came over with his little brother. We were about the same age. And he asked my dad for stale bread or any leftover food that my dad and mom might have. So my dad gave him some food and he said, you don't have to ask for stale bread. You can have fresh bread, David. It's okay. But I remember saying to my dad, I was really little that we needed to do something to help them. I had some sort of intuitive thing that it was not good. Right. And he said, I'm sorry, doll, but you never get involved in another man's business. That was my uncle's domain. That was a man's domain and another man didn't step in no matter what.
0: Right, right. That says a lot. Yes, it does. And it was like that for very long. Well, it's still like that in many places of the country or the world world. (laughs) Um, and and in this country as well, because, you know, it is like you said, a lot of it's generational. You know, I I, um, after I had finished that conversation with my mother, I was thinking, you know, my generation, me, I'm fifty three. I'm not that cold person and I'm not one who says, no, I'm never going to talk about this. It needs to be brought out. And I'm sitting there thinking, you know, maybe I'm the generation that turns things around a little bit because you know, I, I am outspoken and and I, I share my opinions and my beliefs in a respectful way, but I don't I don't hide things away, shove everything in the closet. You know, I'm hoping that maybe, you know, my generation, you know, my siblings and I, and others our age are able to maybe shift that a little bit because if you you know you look back and you're thinking how happy were our family members you know in previous generations and if it just continues you know i made a conscious decision i'm not going to be like that my life is not going to be like that and so i often wonder why more people don't make that conscious decision yes did they grow up in it it's what they know yes but have they they've had to have had, I I think, I would imagine, the opportunity to see differently once they're an adult.
1: Interesting question, and it's hard to say, but I will say on a positive note for everybody who's listening, there's been a lot of conversation in Canada and probably in the U.S. and, and maybe in Europe that the pandemic and the lockdowns has increased the, the, um, the incidences of domestic violence. However, I actually know that something else is happening. And a lot of women are sitting back and they're stuck in with these men and they're realizing how bad their relationship is. And they're actually leaving.
0: Now see, that's not something that the media is talking about.
1: No, and they need to be talking about that. Never, okay, domestic violence has gone up. I see that, but why do we focus on that? Let's focus on the women and celebrate them that are actually sitting back and saying, you know what, this guy's a jerk. Now that I'm stuck in 24 seven with this guy, not for me, I'm getting phone calls now from women, some who have been, you know, on my group or on my newsletter or have known about me and followed me, listened to me who have actually caught in contact with me and said, I have finally been locked down with them. And that's enough. I've left.
0: Wow. So it's been their wake up call.
1: Yes. And it's a beautiful thing not that i want to see marriages dissolve and all of that kind of stuff that you know that's not my my thing but if you're unhappy or you're settling or you're with someone who is calling you names or you feel you're walking on eggshells eventually your body is going to get sick there's going to be dis-ease there's going to be repercussions of that and i really it really upsets me when i see women And I'm sure there's men out there as well who are doing the same thing, who are settling for this, thinking they can't do better, that this is okay. Oh, what would, what would I do on the other side? Again, that fear comes up. Right. Who would I be without my husband?
0: I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: You know, there's that identity in being married. Who would I be without my husband?
0: Right. You know, I'm... (laughs) I, you know, and I'm, I'm not being judgmental. I'm just, just for me personally, I've never thought that way. You know, I, I, have never looked at myself as a victim. I've never played the victim card. You know, I'm, I'm twice divorced. It's nothing I'm proud of, but you know, it, it is, it's just mm-hmm. how it worked out, but I'm also not one to say ever, who would I be without him? I've never, been so dependent upon someone else to make me feel complete if I can't make myself feel if I'm not feeling good about myself then that's gonna that's gonna play into the rest of my life as well and who you choose who you spend your time with who you think you're you've got to settle because you think that's the best you're gonna get that's a sad sad actually it, it, it hurts my heart to hear that there's so many that do you know
1: Oh, more than you'll ever know. And some, some are, are, trapped through, uh, they feel because they have disability. I've, I've heard from a few women in, in that situation and they are a very vulnerable group because mm-hmm. they get financially abused. They get verbally abused. Some of them even get physically assaulted, but because they're disabled or they have mobility issues or, or whatever it may be, they feel that they, they can't make it on their own. That, that would be, that
0: would be a frightening. Yeah. That would be very, that, you know, just as you're talking about it, I'm thinking how, how frightening that must be for
1: them. Very. They're very frightened. However, I have some success stories around that and they're quite independent now and, and they're living on their own and they're doing quite well. But that moment when you say to yourself, this is not working, this, this is hurting me whether it's mentally, emotionally, physically, or all three, or a combination thereof, this is hurting me, and I have to leave, your brain will go into, well, the ego pops up and says, starts with, well, what will you do? Where will you go? How will you get money? Blah, 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 and talks you right out of it again, through fear. And you
0: end up in that swirl, which is mentally debilitating which in turn will make you feel even worse which in turn affects your your physical well-being yep it's a vicious cycle
1: it is and I, it it pains my heart some of the stories that i hear kim are so so sad what i do sometimes during the day you know i have to put in a lot of layers of protection for myself to be quite honest oh you know, i
0: i believe that i believe that
1: not to take that on and and own it in any way.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's not to be mean or, or cruel or any of those things. It's that I feel I can't be the best if I'm owning everyone's pain.
0: You you sound like you're a very empathetic person.
1: I am. And, and I think more so because, because I've made it and my life is so good now. And I mean sure there's triggers that come up there's still things that you know suddenly will come out of left field and I go oh where'd you come from but Mm -hmm. I have so many tools and gifts and resources to work through that now that I don't feel I need to go back into that victim space and I am really happy that I got out so I want that for everybody yeah (laughs) I have to I have to curb my enthusiasm sometimes and and you know listen to the person and go step by step with them at their level
0: now, I know, um, you know, I'm, I'm hugely empathetic as well, and for a long time, I would take others' weight upon my shoulder, be like, okay, well, they need to vent, I'm going to listen, but then I took it on. Did that for a very long time. I'm a big advocate for our veterans, and I'm a veteran myself, so that's, you know, where it stems from, but I'm a huge advocate and have been for over 24 years, supporting veterans in need those that are homeless, those that may soon be homeless, their family members while their loved ones are deployed. there's a lot of a lot of stuff going on um, in all of those different situations and I would find myself taking too much on and had to learn, like you did to put up my barriers just so I could keep myself healthy, you know and and yep. not, because it would be to let all that settle and and simmer, um, that takes a big toll on your own mental well being. And then at least for me, I find myself, I'd be, you know, dark thoughts, bitter, you know, angry, you know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I did, I had to, I had to do the same thing myself. I had to put up those barriers to keep myself healthy and still be able to do what I felt my heart, you know, I felt led to help and assist because that's just how my heart is. It's how I was made. You know, and it sounds like you're you're pretty much the same way.
1: I am. And and you know, I do want to take it on and and I have all, I often say to my clients, if I could make it better for you, if I had a magic pill or a ma- if I could snap my fingers, I would do it. If I could take your pain away so you would be well, I would do it. But that's not up to me, it's up to you. It's up to you to walk through this fire and get to the other side. I can't do it for you.
0: Right right you know and i i have actually said this exact same words if i had a magic wand that i could make this all better for you i would but it's it's your journey to take and you've you've got to walk it one step at a time
1: yeah um, there's no other way around it kim no no
0: and it's scary and it's well to be quite honest it's it's just shit oh you know scary and you don't you know maybe at times you you're just so overwhelmed you're like i don't know what i'm doing where i'm going or how i'm even going to make this work but i have to and you just keep on going anyway
1: well i can remember i'll I'll tell a little story to everyone because i was so afraid you know i was still resistant even though i had met my friend i had two young girls at the time and we lived in this really damp horrible basement apartment and I can remember thinking to myself, because I was resistant. So, you know, you're in the victimhood and you're comfortable and it's easy and it works for you and you can get away with everything and you can just be ridiculous, right? <laughs> now somebody's trying to for to push you out and say, come on, come on, you got you to gotta move out. That's scary. So I was all, I, for the longest time, I sat on the fence, you know, I would do all my work and then I'd say, no, I want to go back to the victimhood. And one evening, I, I didn't have any money. And my daughter came out of the kitchen. We were having spaghetti or something. And the basement apartment was so damp that there was mushrooms growing on the wall in the kitchen kitchen. Oh obviously goodness. that's how wet it was down there. Yeah. And she said, Oh mommy, I have a good idea to make our supper go farther. We can add the mushrooms off the kitchen wall into the sauce. That was one of the most ugh, jolting, n- never mind my friend saying my story was boring that was a really wake up wake up Susan wake up yeah wake up
0: wow yeah you know and often <laughs> it is, often it is our kids
1: yep and it's you know I had to explain we were poisonous and all of that kind of stuff now my daughter and I we actually joke about that now she she will say to me hold on a second mom I'm gonna go see if there's any mushrooms in the kitchen we wink, yeah. wink. <laughs> you gotta love the dark humor. I love yeah. it. <laughs> and a lot of people don't get it and we'll be cracked up laughing, but it is basically healing for us. And it's also that owning your story and owning that, that piece of the puzzle.
0: Exactly. I love that. Yes. Owning it. You own it.
1: You know, I did that. I let that happen because I was afraid that's the bottom line. I was afraid. I didn't know what a healthy life was. I didn't know any of that stuff. I didn't know how to be alone. I didn't know that. And I was terribly frightened. Well,
0: and and you know, when you have kids too with you, it's even to me anyway, it's more frightening. You know, when I was on my own after, after divorce, for whatever reason, you know, various reasons, uh, was not receiving any support from my ex-husband. So it was me and my daughter and a senior dog, you know? And I'm like, what am I going to do? And there were times where I had no idea what to do and it was so overwhelming. And I did a lot of crying in the shower, Mm -hmm. you know, so my daughter wouldn't hear me. And then I thought, you know what? I just have to set my pride to the side and I started cleaning other people's houses on my days off. Did I like it? No, hated it, every second of it, hated it. <laughs> but that was my grocery money. That was my grocery and gas money so I could get to my low paying job the rest of the week. Um, you know, And sometimes you just, you just gotta put your pride to the side, do what you gotta do. You know, that was years and years ago. I don't ever look down on myself for doing that. It was like, you know what, you got it. You have to do what you got to do. And sometimes it's a big, it's a big wake up call. Like you said, when your daughter mentioned, you know, Hey, we can put some mushrooms from the wall in our spaghetti, (laughs) (laughs) um, that, that give, that just gave me such a visual, you know, and there are times, you know, I'm thinking, you know, I was looking in my refrigerator and I'm like, well, I can't keep an empty refrigerator. I've got, I've got a child to feed and I've got a senior dog with health issues and it's on me. So, Kim, quit wallowing and saying, woe is me, woe is me. You know, I don't make enough money at my job. Well, then get another one. You know, so I did. This was just me, my own personal journey. But, um, and I've seen a lot of other women do it too. Do you see a lot of other women that, that all of a sudden they're just like, they, they snap out of it and they're like, all right, you know what? No, I'm doing this. And they have like that massive determination. And they, you know, some some women I know work two, three, four jobs even.
1: I do see a lot of women like that, but I'm glad that you brought up the personal responsibility part of it, because I think for me, for the longest time, and many of my clients and women that I talk to, they want somebody to fix it for them. Fix it for me. And, and that also comes from that victim mentality. Okay, I went through this bad thing. Now everybody needs to pick me up. Right. And help me out and understand me and listen to me and all that's not true and once we have that conversation and i say well you're not going to go anywhere with that i'm i'm really sad to tell you that your personal responsibility for your life is with you right it's not up to an agency it's not up to the people who give food stamps it's not up to anyone and if your boss doesn't like the fact that you cried last night and he yells at you well It's up to you to look for another job, right? But because you went through someone, something, it's not up to everyone to, I don't know, bend over backwards. Like one of the things I tell my clients, we all get triggered. Uh, You you went through a trauma, there's triggers associated with trauma. Mm -hmm. You know, I will hear a song or I would see something and it would bring on a trigger when you are not in a healthy position and taking personal responsibility, you want everybody around you not to trigger you. They should have known better than to trigger you. Right. But the bottom line is all those triggers and healing from them, they're your personal responsibility as well.
0: Right. Exactly. Exactly. I have
1: not agree. Yep. Yep. It's not up to everybody to live a certain way so they don't upset you. I I wanted that. that. That's probably very
0: difficult for a lot of people to say, to, to, to own it, you know, and say, I personally have to make changes, not because I, I have it. I do, you know, even with uh, the nonprofit that I co-founded that helps and assists veterans, there are times we get veterans and say, well, I called here, 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 and here and they won't help me either. And I said, well, it's because you're able to help yourself. We're not handouts, we're a hand up. We're not here to sustain anyone. And I've had to say that to a few a few veterans because they would pull out the, I'm a veteran card. One gentleman was even literally swearing and screaming at me, I'm a veteran. I'm a veteran and you need to, and you need to. And I let him vent. And then I finally said, "I stop stop right there. I'm a veteran too. And not once have I said, I'm a veteran. You need to do this for me. Not once. I said, so please don't play your veteran card with me because it gets you nowhere. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I, I, I do have low tolerance for people who abuse it. There are people who abuse that state. Yes. Um, not everybody, but there are a few, and I've run into a few of them over the years. Um, but then you learn to, you learn to spot them, you know, you learn to the red flags pop up much quicker, but for those that are not obviously uh, abusing that type of, you know, victimhood and, Oh, you've got to, or you need to, and they're actually owning it and claiming it. That's
1: hugely courageous
0: on their part.
1: Oh, so courageous. I think it, it is, you know, we look at courage And I use the word courage a lot because we look at courage as a superhero or somebody who you know saves a child out from a burning bus or and those are all very courageous. But for some people courage is the simple act of waking up in the morning and going to their minimum wage job going to the grocery store cooking dinner for their kids, melting down when nobody's looking and doing it all over again until Mm -hmm. they begin the recovery. That's courageous as well. And we don't give them enough credit.
0: No, no, you're right. You are right. And, and most people don't see it or they don't want to see it because it makes them uncomfortable. Like someone on the outside looking in watching this person struggle. They know they're going, they know they're struggling. They know they're struggling, but it's very uncomfortable for them. So, you know, they don't want to say anything or say like, you know what? Wow, you're doing amazing. You are doing amazing. Look at you. You're working two jobs. You got two kids, a fallen apart car held together with duct tape and staples, and you're still doing it every single day. Yep. That's amazing. And I think that needs to be said to people more. You are amazing.
1: I agree with you wholeheartedly, Kim, because one of the things that I say to women when they're saying, you know, I'm only doing this and I'm just this. I say, well, you're only let's get rid of only and just because what you are is amazing, brilliant and courageous. And every day that you move through life, you're getting better and better and better. So keep going, darling. You've got this.
0: I love that. I love that and that's what we're (laughs) gonna wrap up with today keep going darling you've got this i love it (laughs) so one one just one quick tip or motivational something you want to leave with our listeners today susan
1: yes one quick tip if you are out there and you're struggling and you're not sure about leaving or you have left and you're struggling I want you to focus on the truth, and this will help you leave or stay away, one or the other. So, if you're sitting there and you're saying to yourself, Well, he was angry the other night, but he was tired or he worked too hard. Or you're saying, He hit me, but yes, I was a little aggressive. If you're saying he abused you, and then you're adding a but statement. I want you to stop adding that but. I want you to only speak in short sentences. He yelled at me, period. He hit me, period. He cheated on me, period. He did these things, period. No excuses. Start owning the abuse. Just make a list of the short sentences of what happened.
0: Yeah, wow, I love that. That, so simple, yet so powerful. Yeah. Absolutely, thank you so much, Susan, for being with me today. I I could continue talking to you for hours about this honestly, because it's just a you know it's an important topic and more people need to hear about it and to hear to hear the truth about it you know yeah. and quit quit trying to shove stuff in a closet and then you know hey take that that but dot 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 out of your sentences I love that um and I hope that more people do that. And I hope that, you know, if we had any listeners that may have, may have been or find themselves in the situations we've talked about today, I hope that you take that and put it into practice and maybe it'll give you a different viewpoint of your actual situation, the picture of your life right now and how your life could actually be in the future. All right. Thank you everybody for joining me on let fear bounce and Susan absolutely enjoyed having you on here and I would love to have you on again sometime in the future.
1: Happy to do it, Kim. Thanks for having me.
0: All right. Wonderful. Have a wonderful day.
1: You too.